and here we are at episode 30 of Sexy Aging. Have you ever wondered why one in four women 45 years and older leave their successful corporate career taking decades of skills, knowledge and the ability to develop others with them? Today's episode with Jeanette Coey Perkinson is a topic I am deeply passionate about. We're discussing the impact of menopause on women in the workplace. Jeanette is the Chief People Officer and Regional Director for PH Creative and the founder of a resource known as PowerPause. As a C-suite executive, Jeanette shares her personal experience with her menopause symptoms and the negative impact that they had on one of her roles. This has in fact propelled Jeanette toward developing a menopause education and awareness course for larger corporations such as Kiwi Bank, New Zealand Trade Enterprise, Vector and Northland DHB, just to name a few. Well, this is really fantastic to have Jeanette Kahoe Perkinson on my podcast. We're both in New Zealand, but Jeanette's not from New Zealand, and she's going to share a little bit about her story once we get started. I'm going to clear out, and she's going to come bolstering in and and share some really cool information about her journey. Um, And we are in lockdown. (laughs) Yay, again. (laughs) Well, yeah, I would say I'm a lockdown connoisseur. I'm pretty good at this. We did nine months in Malaysia. This is our first uh, New Zealand lockdown, and it's pretty lovely. I mean, I have to admit, I'm walking on the beach in Mount Monganui. I live a little bit further down the beach, so I don't come across a lot of people. But even that, you know, finding the joy and being out in nature and, um, you know, waving at people from a distance. Hello. <laughs> it's pretty nice here. It's quite different to my experience in Malaysia, I tell you. <laughs> oh, hard, but yeah, no, gorgeous. So my, my Wanganui, and also, you know, you're on Papamoa Beach. So, yeah. So gorgeous, that beach. So well, beautiful. I'm, I'm right by Naranek Beach, which is where they've now put up a testing centre. <laughs> Oh, okay. Very close to Devonport to um, place A in New Zealand. Right. Cool. Well, so you're at home safe. And I just want to introduce you to um, our listeners and viewers today. So you are the CEO of a brand called Agile People, and that is strategic development, talent acquisition and support, organizational design, uh, stakeholder communication. So um, some pretty feisty work there that you've got, um, Jeanette. And probably where we've connected is I've told the story before, but when I was in managed isolation repatriating back to New Zealand, one of the very first things I put into my laptop was menopause in New Zealand. And your website came up first, which is PowerPause which is very exciting. And I was like, oh, good. There's stuff going on in New Zealand. That's awesome. And so you are the founder of PowerPause, which is a resource for women so that they can find out what's going on with their um, perimenopause symptoms or even what what the heck is that. (laughs) And you provide lots of really good articles, books, um, uh, documentaries. um, Everything's there if you want to find out about perimenopause and menopause but the thing that got me the most the reason that I really wanted to speak to you today was how you address women in the workforce and what happens for us and I think that we both have a bit of a personal story about that but I'm going to shut myself down and open the floor up for you Jeanette welcome to the podcast 
Thank you. It's lovely to be here, Tracy. Thank you for doing this. Um, yeah, you know, power pause is, um, is a hobby for me, is a passion. It's, um, it's a social enterprise. It is part of my agile people business. Um, and my agile people business, you know, I, after, I'll tell you my personal story, excuse me, <clears throat> but, um, but agile people was, a, is a consultancy and, um, and through that I've been providing consultancy on, on transformational change and employer branding and so on. And as a result of that, I started working for some really good friends of mine who are PH creative. And then they asked me to be their chief people officer. And basically I have a life now that I absolutely love working with a business that I absolutely love and and you know my my whole thing about power pause is is the powerful nature of the sort of third second a lot of people say second phase but I'd say third chunk of our lives you know so if you chunk it up into we're going to live for 90 100 years then you know your 30 30 30 was for me it was kind of natural at the next the last 30 after after you after you're 50 um, you've got 30 years of amazing career where you've got wisdom, experience, network, uh, and you're back to normal. You get back to normal after this, what for me was an absolutely atrocious menopause. Um, but it, I'm full of life now, full of energy, full of beans, and I absolutely love what I'm doing now. And I, I was not in a good place going through, you know, the final phase of my menopause. Um, so yeah, so I founded PowerPause as a sort of on the side thing to help people because there was nothing in New Zealand for women in the workplace. Um, and my, my personal story uh, was one of kind of implosion. Um, I was only in the role that I was in for a year. Um, I was a hero for about eight months. Um, and then suddenly was kind of ran out of estrogen, ran out of hormone replacement therapy and just went on a slippery slide of lots of symptoms showing their heads and me not realizing at all what what was happening to me um to the point where i went to the doctor the day after i quit and and said to the doctor i've got early onset dementia what do i do she just laughed at me and said she didn't laugh at me she's a lovely doctor but she she said don't be ridiculous you're you're in your menopause and you haven't had HRT for a year now or six months and um so you know we just need to put you on HRT and it was a game changer for me so the reason so you know people don't it, it's difficult to uh, to get my portfolio of roles but I'm actually chief people officer of PH creative it's um you know employer branding agency it's a fabulous creative full service agency I love it I'm also then a director, um, an independent director and an advisory board member of, so I've got different companies like Trust Codes and um, the University of Auckland, University of Liverpool, where I'm an advisory board member. So I have a portfolio, which I, I, you know, I now only do the things that I absolutely love with people that I really love and respect who are kind. <laughs> so, um, you know, and that's my story is just, you know, you get to a phase of life where, you just want to be around radiators you know you want to be around people that are doing good in the world that have a really good social purpose and that's where i am now and that's sort of the message i want to convey to people who feel like they're in a really dark place who feel like they're losing their mind because of perimenopause symptoms and i just want i just want to convey that there is life afterwards and it's amazing yeah oh i'm so inspired <laughs> right now i'm sitting here and i'm feeling like i've just entered that third stage that you're talking about from a sort of a career perspective. So lots of the listeners who've probably 
listened or tuned into some of my episodes before know that I have a really long history as a fitness professional and I also worked in corporate fitness. So corporate fitness, for those who don't know what that is, is basically you are sitting in the boardroom and you are making decisions for, for me, it was a brand that was throughout Asia and it was uh, 65 clubs and growing and I was the only female in the boardroom. And at that time I was in my early 30s and so I was pretty gung-ho and like this is awesome, I'm one of the boys and stuff. But when I think about doing that um especially when I was perimenopausal, like I still am, but when the symptoms first kicked in, I would have, that would have been an absolute nightmare for me um, because of so many things that go on in your head. And I think it's the headspace. Yeah, the physical, the physical things that happen, they're really obvious to you every day you wake up, you, you feel a bit achy or um, you've had hot flashes through the night, you're stripping off the sheets, all of those kind of things. People understand that as menopause, actually they joke about it. It's not that, it's not really worth joking about, but <laughs> you know, at the stage of our conversation globally, people are kind of turning those things into a joke, but it's the mental aspect of it. When you think about, working at quite a high level where the decision makers are, I mean, a lot is impacting a business on your decisions, your ability to make clear decisions and communicate those decisions to stand up, give a presentation, get through the presentation without losing words, without dropping ideas, without feeling like all this background stuff going through your head going, what are you doing here? You're an imposter. So <laughs> I can 100% relate to that experience that you're talking about when you had that, you know, the last time that before you walked away and now you do your own thing. So are you happy to share like a distinct moment that you had before you stopped working in your previous role? Was there anything like that that really kind of shook you that you're happy to share? It, look, there was, it, there was a, an amalgam of... Um of symptoms that it's like a perfect storm for me. So I just wind back before I answer that question. I moved to New Zealand in December 17. I've been you know, married to a Kiwi for 18 years, 19 years. Um, and uh, we've been coming to New Zealand for many years. Um, you know, we've got the, our, our kids' grandparents are here. So our, our New Zealand family are here. Um, so we'd been coming back and forth and I thought the move would be fairly easy. I've lived in Russia, in Gibraltar, in the Netherlands, in the UK, in the US a few times. And I've done big roles in all over the world, which were global, very, very um, challenging, complicated, multicultural roles, which never, ever phased me. So going to Russia um, and running an HR director position for Cargill, one of the biggest companies in the world, you know, it didn't phase me. It was just, yeah, just gung-ho like you. Great, let's do this. This is brilliant. Um, and, you know, you just got on. It was fabulous. And I always thought I was the luckiest person in the world. I came to New Zealand thinking this would be probably be the easiest move that we've made. Um, and yet what I hadn't realized, you know, I, I had HRT when I came here um, because I had it in England. But I had it from a very early stage where I, you know, my first kind of hot flushes back years, years ago, and perimenopause can last, you know, eight to 10 years, or four to 10 years, you know, there's, if you're very lucky, it's a short phase, but even short is four years. <laughs> um, but for me, it was about eight years, and I had no idea that there was anything other than hot flushes and night sweats, you know, because a friend of mine said, oh, you've started perimenopause, go and get yourself HRT. 
off I did. I went and got that and I didn't have any symptoms um, once I'd gone on to HRT. When I came to New Zealand, I ran out of it. I went back to the UK, got some more from the doctor in the UK. So when I joined um, the bank that I joined and I joined into the executive team, I'd been before the bank had been in Spark and, you know, a great company, um, fantastic. I loved every minute of that role. It was a transformation role. I was I was a consultant through Agile People, and um, and I was working hard every day with a whole load of stakeholders. It was fabulous, um, and big Agile transformation. Loved, loved, loved it. And then, um, literally about just as I transitioned into the executive role in the bank, um, I ran out of it of of HRT. And I thought, you know what, I've got time. I just haven't got time to do anything about it. Um, but that's fine because I only ever had hot flushes and night sweats. And that's what I thought it was. Um, but then, you know, gradually over time, as my estrogen had declined and as the, um, as the symptom, the, I, just, I just had so many symptoms, I didn't even realize um, that they were part of menopause. The thing that probably was the worst for me in the whole thing was the, uh, there are a few, but really, really bad in my role were the, the weight gain that was was not explained. You know, I wasn't doing anything differently, but the weight gain around the middle, the, the lack of confidence that that caused, the anxiety. I'd never had anxiety. I'd never had depression. I'd never had any of those things. A really positive person could always coach myself out of, okay, I'm feeling a bit down now. Right, get out of it. Get out of it. You know, you know how you do. You go, right, switch, get out of it. That was the sort of person that I was, and I couldn't get off. I couldn't get off being having anxiety, um, and the brain fog and the memory loss was just insane. And that's why I thought I had early onset dementia because I would be in the boardroom, I'd be about to say something uh, that was a really important point, and I'd forget, and I'd forget what I was about to say, and the way that my colleagues read that you know they didn't know either but I had absolutely zero support you know people would laugh when I had hot flushes but I had no support for it at all and I didn't know and I was a chief people officer you know I was, a, I was the exec GM for people <laughs> so I you know I came out I came out of that those those symptoms were the main things that made me think oh my gosh I can't yeah you know, I'm not I'm not functioning I'm not thriving I'm not able to write the board papers that I should be able to write. I'm not able to deliver on creating a strategy for something that I'm supposed to be doing because I can't think clearly. And that's why I thought I had dementia. And that, that was when I started to go down this sort of spiral of oh, what, what on earth is happening to me. And I kept on trying and I kept on working longer hours and working later into the night. But the real low point was trying to write board papers. I had 15 board papers to write for July of 2019. 15 board papers, because I was across various different strands of activity. Um, and I couldn't, I just, I, I couldn't deliver on, on all of them. And we were, yeah, I was three o'clock in the morning in the office at North Wharf down in um, central Auckland. Three o'clock in the morning working, still working, I would leave, come back before eight o'clock. And you know, I was getting, you know, four hours, three hours sleep, um, which just exacerbated things. And um, it just got to a point of, there were too many things, too many things that I just couldn't 
deliver on and thought I was going mad um, and, and with no support, no awareness about it and really not, and I take full accountability for this, but not taking the time to just go to the doctor and have a conversation and, and think what was going on. And it led to, you know, I, I, quit, I quit the business. She said, go on to HRT. And when I put a patch, an estrogen patch on and a progesterone tablet, boom, got my life back. Amazing. And then I spent three months, literally three months, trying to figure out what on earth was that all about? What happened? Why? And I am a big believer in things happen for a reason. I'm a big believer in the timing of when things happen. So, you know, you always think, oh, it'll get better. But right at that point, I could not think this is going to get better. I've just walked out of an executive role, which are few and far between in New Zealand, <laughs> job for women. <laughs> and, and I was new to the country. So people didn't know me from before. So, you know, you jump through hoops to, to, to be appointed into a job and everyone thinks you're fantastic. So they hire you. Um, but as soon as something like this happens, no one wants anything to do with you. And it's amazing that, and I thought, hang on, I've had 30 years of an incredible, in, very successful career of being an executive, of being in all these challenging situations and succeeding. And yet four months in New Zealand wipes 30 years out because those people, you know, the, you know how it's a village and it's everything and people talk, well, they, who's going to hire me after this? That's where I was. Who on earth will ever hire me again after that experience in New Zealand? Now, luckily, people from around the world and my network you know, were on the phone saying, are you free now? <laughs> can, we, can you help us with this? Can you help us with that? And, and that's, that's what happened. And, and I, you know, I'm back, to, I'm back to pretty much full strength now in terms of my, my portfolio. Um, but there was a very dark place at one point where I thought I might not work again. We may need to move back to the UK. We wanted to make our life in, in New Zealand now. It's my husband's turn. It's our kids and the grandparents' turn. Um, and, and, and I stood staring um, probably at this screen thinking, what on earth are we gonna do? We'll have to go back. I, I, I'm, not, I'm never gonna be successful in New Zealand. And, but then it occurred to me, well, hang on, how many people are going through the same thing as I am? how many women have lost, have left their jobs then i started to do research about it and this is a long answer i know but i started to do research no this is exactly what i want to hear so this is the the, the juncture of the conversation and the, the the you know the crux of what i want to know is <clears throat> how does this affect women in the workplace and the workforce today and i like you i've researched and i've found quite a lot of interesting stats and of course back in the uk it's going nuts. I mean, it's literally going to create court cases where women who feel validated that they have been ostracized in their roles because of their menopause symptoms can now take their cases to court as, um, you know, bias or, um, yeah. So, yeah, I'd love to hear your views on that. Oh, gosh, do I have views on that one? <laughs> you know, I'm working with some women right now who are going through, you know, and there's so many cases in New Zealand where women have uh, fallen out I'll say fallen out of the workplace because they're not supported and it, the workplaces they don't they don't realize that just no people don't realize it's this un, unknown silent stealth thing 
that is different for every single woman. The one thing we know is every woman will go through it. Well, I can't even imagine what it must be like for transgender people to go through it. Um, because, you know, the, the, there are a lot of people who will go through menopause, half of the population or more than half of the population. And yet it's diff because it's different for everybody and because it's a bit of a taboo of, you know, it used to be that, oh, it's the end of your life because you only lived till you were 56. Um, you know, the, your life expectancy now in New Zealand is 92. But one in four people, the stats show us that in the US and the UK, Australia, the stats show us that one out of four women consider quitting their jobs um, are at the stage of, I just honestly, I'm, I can't cope, can't, I'm going mad. And, or not, I'm going mad. Not a lot of people don't feel like that, like, like I did, but a lot of people just feel like it's all too much, the struggle of the juggle, the, you know, I've got, I've got teenage kids or I've got elderly parents or I've got all of that going on. I'm trying to hold down a job. I've, I'm losing my mind. I'm getting no sleep with night sweats and, um, and the anxiety, heart palpitations. So a lot of women, the, the stats show us one in four, 900,000 people in the UK quit their jobs because of menopause. It's unbelievable. And we had a crisis during um, the, you know, the first and second COVID waves in the UK where um, it was even reported about there was a real concern that too many women in essential worker positions in hospitals, surgeons, doctors, nurses were quitting because they didn't feel supported through menopause because the hours were so grueling and brutal. Um, so loads of people quit. And I, and I look at that and I go, you know, the reason that I feel so passionate about this is we need to keep women in work if they love their work. We need to support them through this stage. So we need to create the awareness conversation. We need to create tools for employers so that they understand what this is, what the symptoms are, um, that every woman's different. One woman might have three symptoms, one might have 20, but there are 34 really known symptoms. And you know, any mix of those symptoms can debilitate a woman's performance. Um, but it, generally, if they're supported through it, it's temporary, you can find remedies. So it doesn't actually affect a woman's performance. And I'm passionate about the macro situation, which is global leadership. You know, for years and years, I'm so sick of hearing about, we've got to improve the situation, women on boards, we've got to increase women on boards. So it's 8% of women on the NZX 50 are women, 8%. Um, and there's only 24%, circa 24, I say that, you know, but circa 24% of women on our boards in New Zealand. So, um, and, and the stats show as well that the companies, the businesses that have women on their boards and have a greater equality at the executive level are far more productive. You know, 1.7 times more productive according to McKinsey. Um, we've got lots and lots of studies. So in the US, this is a great big thing. In the UK, it's a big thing. In New Zealand, we've still got we've still got a real problem with people even recognizing this as an issue. Um, and and I think that macro issue, there is a correlation then of women at the height of their power, at the height of their careers, um, leadership roles that, and this is mid late forties, early fifties, go. I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm going to go, you know, it's, I'm expected to be in work for 12 hours a day. I'm expected to be at my desk. I'm expected to be 
everywhere. I'm expected to be on 24 seven on my PDA, on my phone, on my smartphone, on my everything. I'm expected to, well, used to be expected to travel, blah, 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 blah. Expected to do all of this and have presenteeism when really what we'd like to do is be um, judged on the value that we actually deliver and have some flexibility around how we do that. Because if you've had a night sweat during the night and you haven't slept, then do you want to be going into the office at seven o'clock in the morning? No, <laughs> you know, we've got more flexibility now after COVID on our working, but we just have to have workplaces that understand you are going to lose your best women, your best leaders, because they're going through a difficult time, which is temporary. And if you don't support them through that, bang, you're back to an all male executive team. You're back to an all male board. You know, it, there just aren't enough women. And a lot of women are put off, particularly in corporate careers. A lot of people are put off corporate because they've been so badly treated. Yeah. And, and it makes you wonder why. I mean, I think that we don't even need to wonder why women are, no, are not at the executive level. Right. Because every woman is going to go through some level of this. And maybe they're lucky enough to get on the HRT train early, but probably not so much in New Zealand because it is a it is a challenge here. I've personally had that challenge. I've um, written about it. Um, but yeah, and then we, we wonder, oh, so how come we can't get more women and, you know, in the C-suite? Well, like, hello. <laughs> I don't want to be there <laughs> under these conditions. I was in the C-suite and yeah. unaware, absolutely unaware of this, this issue. It's one of those things that if you haven't had the lived experiences like divorce or um, you know, we've done a lot of things where if you haven't had the lived experience, you cannot possibly empathise. Um, and until it starts to get normalized as a conversation in society, people without lived experience don't even recognize it as an issue. So if the people going through it are like, well, can you not see us? Can you not, you know, in, across everything? So now we've got, you know, the, the pride movement. Great. Everyone's aware. I'm totally tolerant, accepting and everything. Great. But that took years and years and years. Black Lives Matter, years and years still going through it. And people are, you know, st still got intolerance and people not empathizing. But there's lots and lots of things where, um, you know, bringing women back after maternity leave. Yeah, it was temporary. Yeah, the come back and yes, go back on the on-ramp. On but for years, it, it it was a struggle to to have women be hired at all if they were in the age, in the childbearing age, you know? So it, it, it when you look at all of these societal struggles around um around major issues life natural life stage issues this is one of the last taboos and and you know people just don't want to talk well didn't want to talk about it but we do have the longer life expectancy we are amazing and powerful after 50 we are amazing and powerful after 40 we know what we are um we've got the confidence in in perimenopause that journey and depending on which symptoms you suffer some people are very lucky and get away with it um and manage to get through it um and well played to them because every woman i've talked to is on a board and i've said how was yours they go oh i was fine i didn't have any yeah, i had no issue um and it's whether they just didn't realize or it's you know put put in a in a box um in the in the don't really want to talk about that box um, it would be really, really useful, though, if people could talk about their journeys more and how they got through it. But a lot of people, 20% of women don't really suffer very much at all. 
Um, 60% of women have, have symptoms that are debilitating, but they're manageable. And 20% and of women have absolutely debilitating symptoms, which make them quit their jobs or um, just barely hang on, not go for promotion, um, just have a lack of confidence. Uh, and in a lot of, unfortunately, the highest suicide rates it, for women after teen in America, UK and New Zealand are in the age range of 45 to 54. So that was the thing as well. I just thought, you know, I, I got to a very dark place thinking, well, what on earth am I going to do with the rest of my life? If I've chosen to live in New Zealand and New Zealand is absolutely not empathetic or supportive of this stage of life. And, and then you get the ageism, you know, and then you get people talking about it. It, it was the what on earth am I going to do? And I, and I didn't want other people to go through that. And that's why we, you know, and I also then put the correlation, put it together and said, blimey, if I was the chief people officer and I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars through my career, hundreds of thousands of dollars developing women in leadership pipelines, developing programs for leaders, sending women to Harvard, to sending people all over the world to these brilliant leadership programs so they can get into the exec team. And I didn't realize that this happens at that right at that age I, I, I wow we've got to get it out there we've got to get it into workplaces we've got to get more more talking about this and in the uk now a wonderful woman called um dr diane danzebrink she created a lobby to get um to for, to get government to actually consider changing the education system and was successful got hundreds of thousands of people signing a, a lot of petition and now in the uk um, the menopause is discussed. It's in the curriculum at high school. Every single school has it on their curriculum. So as, as teenagers are coming through, they're learning about menopause as a natural life stage that passes. And it's just like puberty. It's the other end of that reproductive stage where we all accept and acknowledge that teenagers have, have raging hormones. That's, that's a natural stage of life. Their bodies are developing and they've got raging hormones. They're going to slam doors. They're going to get, uh, you know, irritable. They're going to grunt and grunt at you. And uh, oh, they're teenagers. It'll, they'll, they'll get through it. And they do. And no one holds it against them. If they slammed a door in your face, nobody is going to, you know, 20 years later go, oh, yeah, that person slammed a door in my face when they were going through puberty. Um, nobody holds it against you. Menopausal women. You have a mood swing in the office, which is completely uncharacteristic. And it's a two second thing. I've then heard in succession planning meetings with exec teams, the comment that says that high potential woman that we've been grooming in the pipeline, leadership pipeline for 10 years. And that person's ready now for an executive role. And someone, some guy will say, oh, no, you know what? She snapped at someone two weeks ago. Uh, snapped someone snapped at someone and no it's a behavior no no we can't possibly have someone emotional or erratic and it dawned on me after quitting that I've been in too many of those conversations where I've agreed and gone oh yeah yeah no we couldn't possibly have someone that's not you know completely steady yeah and never thought to ask the question or mention hey 
you know, she could be through her, she could be going through menopause and therefore this is just a symptom. It's not who she is. It, it doesn't define her and it doesn't wipe out all the years of good work that she's done. Can we just have a little bit more empathy with this? Like it never occurs to people, right? No, no, that, no. What, what the characteristic is, um, difficult woman, challenging woman, um, behavioral issue. And that's the categorization then that's, that sticks with that person as a stigma. And what happens then? They know they're not going to get any further. So they, had, so they leave that organization. And that happens again and again and again and again. And you just go, what are you doing? Now I say, what? I could have saved so many women from leaving had I even been aware of this um, and be able to say, you know what? That's just, it's temporary. Um, that's not who that person actually is. Yeah. And uh, and it's, you know, it's worse if people don't know, you know, if someone's come in new into a, into a company and into a senior role and then go through it, they don't have the, they don't have the support network, they don't have the background of people that would say, no, that's unusual that for that person. Um, there's yeah. got to be something behind it. Let's dig into that. Yeah. Hey, Jeanette, I mean, I know that you're reflecting on what you could have done to help women in the past, but really what you're doing today and through Power Pause and the resources that you're offering there is absolutely amazing. So I just want to thank you so much also for being a guest on the podcast and sharing all your insights. My heart is literally racing <laughs> because it was a topic that I really wanted to speak to someone about. Um, and I know that this uh, podcast episode is going to resonate with so many women. And I want them to know that there is hope um, there is help and we have opened the conversation you can't shut the door anymore and we have to move forward I think between the two of us in New Zealand and actually there's a lot of really amazing women that I've spoken to recently we will make a change oh yeah we are making women. Yeah. we're making change and it's only onwards and upwards from here so thank you so much for joining me today Thank you. Just before we go, Tracy, can I just give yes. a shout out to Sarah Connor, Menopause? Yes, yes, Sarah. I know. I'm going to, um, I actually interviewed um, Anna Sophia, who is a writer that um, uh, Sarah put on her Facebook page. And last night I interviewed Anna. So we're all kind of coming together. And yes. a lot of that has come from... Yeah, it's come from menopause over martinis. And yeah, and you've got Nikki Byzantis writing about this. Um, um, Nikki Pellegrino's writing about it. Kate, uh, Katie, um, uh, TV3 Katie <laughs> Roger yeah. is, is um, doing a podcast about it. So there's a bunch of us that are working. We're working, a lot of us are working together on this to make a movement. So, amazing. And I also want to shout out just very quickly, sorry, to Kiwi Bank, amazing, progressive, um, I've already been in, talked to them and done a big podcast with them on menopause and they're changing the, their workplace because of it. Um, so fantastic. NZTE just done uh, same with them. Fantastic. You know, they've got 700 um, customer companies and uh, Nelson City Council, one of the first adopters um, and uh, people like, oh, Northern DHB. I'm going up to talk to them. 3,000 oh, wow. people. Yeah, so there are a lot at vector was was really the first one that i did fiona michelle is just un unbelievable melissa crawford so yeah i know we need to finish but i just want to share I, I want to give the audience 
a, a real optimistic view that companies are doing this now. They are using power pause. They are um, going to menopause over martini dinners. They are, they, they're starting to go, oh yeah, retention, yeah. Yeah, engagement. So good. So good. I'm going to take a note of all those places that you mentioned. I'll pop it into the website. Um, big ups to everyone that's getting on board to help retain women in the workforce, especially women like us. We've got a lot of experience and we come from a really deep place of wanting to help other women. So you don't want to get rid of that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Jeanette. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thanks for, uh, for profiling this. Hey, it's been three months and over 5,000 downloads to Sexy Aging and I couldn't be more thrilled to know that women out there are starting to get the conversations going and the information that they need to help them transition through this incredible third age. And it can be incredible. Now, we don't want to hold this information to ourselves. It's imperative that we share this with our girlfriends, with our moms, with our significant others, so that we can all get on board and understand what's going on with our bodies and our minds. It's so important to share this information. It's no longer taboo. It is a conversation that needs to be had across all walks of life, uh, from career to home life to relationships. So, so important for our mental health as well. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, subscribing, rating on Apple Podcasts, come on, be a darling, get on it and share the good news that the menopause story is here and we've got this. Let's do it, ladies.